Journey, it's my privilege. I get to introduce our teacher this morning, Alex Erlenbush. Uh, you're probably saying, why do you have to introduce him? He's been around here for a while. That is absolutely true. He's not a new face, but if you're new uh, around here, he doesn't teach all the time. Uh, but what he is most known for around here is he is going to be uh, the lead pastor at our downtown church plant. You just saw him on the video there. Uh, oftentimes, as we've been engaged in and around, what does it look like for us to plant a church, an expression of God's kingdom in downtown? Some of the questions that comes to me often is, do we really need another church in Bozeman? Does Journey really need to plant a church? And the answer that I give to them is yes, absolutely we do. And more churches need to plant churches in our, in our town as well, because the greatest way to build the kingdom of God is to plant beautiful expressions of the life of Jesus in congregations where people can get engaged and grow in their faith and reach people that we're not reaching currently here uh, at our main campus of Journey. So we're excited about what Alex gets the opportunity to do. Um, But I just wanted to share even a little bit about my own story of getting to be involved in a church plant. Uh, I was attending another church in town uh, 17 years ago when uh, Journey became an idea in um, the heart of a man that was moving from Billings, and God started to stir in Carmen and I's heart about being a part of that. Um, I will tell you that probably prior to that, um, I was attending a local church, um, but I wasn't engaged the way that I was in the middle of a church plant. Because when you get involved uh, in a church plant, it is all hands on deck. Everyone needs to be all in. We need to put our time, our talent, our treasures, and our plans invested in this. And so it was a great opportunity uh, for Carmen and I to grow not only in our love for Jesus, but just our our ability to be able to see God doing things all across uh, our valley and to just grow our heart for the local church and to see how God can use the church to reach people. So that's why we are so excited about what Alex is gonna get the opportunity to do downtown to reach people that we're not reaching right now. And we're very, very excited about that. You saw on the video that uh, next Sunday will be big for them. It will be their first gathered uh, worship uh, on a Sunday for Easter. We're really, really excited about that. They're gonna be doing some monthly uh, meetings throughout the summer. And then this fall, they're gonna launch their weekly gatherings and Uh, I believe that God's going to do in some of you what he did in Carmen and I and just start to tap you a little bit on the heart and the life and just say, hey, I want you to be a part of this with Alex and the team. They've got a great group of folks 
that are down there and we're really, really excited about it. Um, so I'm gonna turn it over to Alex and he is gonna teach us this morning. Let's give Alex a hand. Thanks, brother. Love you, bud. Love you, man. Thank you. Good morning. Good to be with you guys. Journey, so uh, excited to get to bring the word this morning. Um, Pastor Bob and I have had a dream for about five years now, six years, to put a church uh, in the center of Main Street. And uh, again, it's a great question. Why another church? Well, uh, Main Street's about five minutes from MSU, uh, Montana State University. There's over 16,000 college kids on that campus right now, of which uh, 95% are not walking with the Lord. And so uh, we say yes and amen to a church plant that's within 5%, uh, excuse me, five minutes to MSU, being able to reach uh, downtown. We're not just going to be a college ministry, though. Uh, we want to be a multi-generational church. Uh, one out of five people in Bozeman attend church on a Sunday. And uh, there's very few churches downtown on Main Street that are thriving. And so we said, let's put a, let's put a church right in the middle of our city, at the heart of our city, where a lot of commerce and community happens. And so we're real excited. And then finally, it, one of the reasons is, even if every church was full, every seat in every church in Bozeman on a Sunday, even if every seat was full, there'd still be thousands of people without a seat. And so we wanna make room. We're expanding here at Journey. We're building a bigger base camp, as you know, with the Everyone Initiative and expanding the commons, but we're also expanding into downtown and to reach a new part of the city. And so if you would like, we would love to sit down with you and have coffee, tell you about the vision. I've uh, had about 100 oat milk, lo- oat milk lattes with so many of you. Uh, and it's been, it's been such a joy just to get to tell you the vision of downtown. We need help in all sorts of areas. Kids, worship, Lord knows I'm not singing. Um, tech, creative, uh, welcome, coffee, like all sorts of areas. Uh, we would love help. And really, uh, as Bob just said, he was 15, 16, I think 17 years, and now, years ago now, he was a volunteer at Journey and became the lead pastor. So I'm just saying, you never know what's going to happen if you come volunteer downtown. Um, it's, uh, it's been a, a joy to walk this journey with Pastor Bob and the whole team here. And you guys are doing something special. We're doing something special as a church. We're deciding to multiply, uh, not just grow by addition here, but grow by multiplication uh, to to reach a new part of the city. So it's with that, it's a great honor to get to be your downtown church plant pastor. Again, on the screen, you'll see uh, the QR code and the link uh, for how to get involved. Uh, would love to talk with you and meet with you and, and tell you more. This summer, we're gonna be doing a ton of events in the city and downtown, a um, ton of stuff in the community. And then this fall, we'll launch every Sunday services. And so excited to be a, a part of this with you. Want to get to our text for today. We've been going through this series enough and it's uh, a traversing through the Gospel of Mark, one of the most action-packed bi- books of the Bible, uh, the Gospel of Mark. And we've been looking at different stories of Jesus being enough for a person at a certain moment, at a certain place, at a certain time. And today we're going to read one of the saddest stories in Mark, but we're not going to leave you hanging. There's going to be hope by the end of it, so hang in there with me. We're going to be in Mark 10 to start 17 through 23 and also Luke 19 one through 10. If you have your Bibles, you can start turning there. And like three people are turning there because no one has a real Bible anymore. Everyone looks at the screen, man. It's okay. I see a couple of them out there. The real Christians. Amen. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm young. I can say that. You can send the emails to Bob. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, It's a digital age, man. It's a digital age. And so Mark 10, go ahead and turn there. Uh, I'm going to pray us in. Father, thank you for the moments in which we share. We pause right now just to ask to hear your voice. Let it be the loudest voice in here today. 
We know you have a heart for every single one of us in here. And we need to hear something today, whether it's a word of encouragement, a word of hope, a word to keep going, a word to surrender, a word to confess, or maybe just a word to receive again today, the gospel good news that you love us because you love us. And your love for us is not based on our loveliness, but based on your goodness. And so we come to you humble and hungry with an anticipation to hear from you. And we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's kids said, amen. That was the cutest amen ever right there in the front row. That was amazing. Anybody ever, uh, by a raise of hands, made a bad trade in life? You made a bad trade. Just a couple are willing to do it, okay? Some of you, oh, more coming up now. I like it. Some of you, uh, some of you have traded your uh, football fan loyalty to the University of Montana. Just a bad trade, right? We love everyone here, even Grizz fans. Some of you made a bad trade last night. You, you decided to trade uh, a couple dollars for the Crunchwrap Supreme at Taco Bell, and now you have a stomachache this morning. I pick on Taco Bell a lot. I love, uh, I'm sure there's good Taco Bells in the world. I just have yet to experience one. And so it's always a stomachache for me. Um, we, we make trades at all times in life, in all seasons, whether we know it or not, our life is made up of a whole bunch of trades, some good, some bad. And, and, and I wanna tell you today uh, about a trade in scripture. Uh, it was one of the worst trades I've ever seen uh, and also one of the best trades I've ever seen. But before that, I have a story for, for you to kind of really paint the picture of what it looks like in the human heart of how we make these kind of trades. Uh, oftentimes we trade what we want most for what we want now, amen? Some of you know it. Uh, we, we trade what we want most, what we want true to be about our future for what we want true to be now. And uh, one of these terrible trades that I've seen happen in my life happened in a little city south of the border in San Diego called Tijuana. Y'all ever been there? Some of you are afraid to raise your hand because you have a Tijuana story. I, uh, I told this story in the first service and people started texting me and be like, I got a Tijuana story for you. TJ, as they call it, or Tijuana, as my Latina wife calls it, uh, is this place right south of the border in San Diego. San Diego, I spent 10 years of my life in, uh, my wife and I, uh, and a group of others started a church there about three, four, five years ago. Uh, but we had this one friend named Caleb and Caleb had family in San Diego, uh, but he also had family in TJ. And he took us on what we called the TJ Taco Tours. Okay. Oh, some people have done it before. Amen. I love it. Wow. I'm speaking to family. And so, and so the TJ Taco Tours are such. There's these taco stands that come alive at night in TJ. The lights are on. Mariachi bands are out. People are out in the streets. It's the way in which they do community. They gather around these taco stands. And uh, I would never recommend going on your own. Probably try and go with a local if you can. Uh, but my friend, Caleb, he, he took us down there. And I've gone like 10, 11, 12 times in my life. Uh, and we always, go to the, we always go to four different stands. Taco stand number one uh, has filet and, and, and sirloin tacos. Pretty awesome. Uh, taco stand number two has got seafood tacos. Taco stand number three is known for uh, putting cheese in, bet in between their shells and having like these quesadilla tacos. And then taco stand number four, which we're gonna get into today, is the dangerous one. It's called Tacos La Postal. And I'm gonna tell you what happens there in just a minute. But here's the deal about these four taco stands. Uh, we always tell people it's a marathon, not a sprint. Because we've taken quite a few people down there, uh, my friend and I, and they get excited. They're like, 15 pesos? 
75 cents for a taco? Oh man, give me 20, you know? And, and, and so they start off really fast. They never make it to the fourth taco stand. And, uh, and so we always tell people, hey, this is, this is a marathon, y'all, not a sprint. Pace yourself, okay? And we took one of my friends down there named Travis, and Travis is from Michigan, okay? Now, here's the thing about Travis. Uh, Travis had never been to TJ before, and uh, he was helping us plant this church in San Diego. I was like, we're gonna show him a good time. But here's the thing about uh, someone from Michigan who's never been to TJ before. The enzymes in his stomach don't have the capabilities to, 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 to produce and break down the taco fare that is the TJ taco. Y'all maybe know where I'm going with this. And so we took, we took Travis down there and, uh, and we started off at taco stand number one. Remember, we gave him our piece of advice. This is a marathon, not a sprint, bro. So don't go too hard to start. You wanna make sure you get to the last one. He had one taco at the beginning. He had a, one taco at the next and uh, one other taco uh, at taco stand three because he was saving himself for taco stand number four, tacos la postal. And at Tacos La Postal, here's what they do. They fry the taco shell. They let it sit and soak for, we have no idea how long, in the fat of an animal. We also have no idea what it is. And they let the shell just soak and absorb all of the fat. They're only this big, but all you need is one. But our poor friend, Travis, remember, he's, he took our advice to heart. He saved himself for taco stand number four. And so... We get there and he's all excited. I'm like, this is the best one, man. You save yourself, have at it. And he took down four or five that night. And the deceitful thing about the TJ Taco Tour is sometimes it doesn't get to you till the next morning. You know what I'm saying? And so unfortunately for, for Travis, he was 30,000 feet in the air when all these tacos started to have a fiesta in his stomach and the whole plane started to know what was going on. And he, he gave us a call and he's like, man, I made a bad trade last night. I was like, yes, you did. You made a bad trade. I'm sorry, man. I, maybe I led you in the wrong direction. He said, he said I've been, Alex, no, like I've been in the hospital for three days, man. He's like, I've been on antibiotics for, for 10, he would go on to say. And he's been, he's like, I've been out for a month, man. I was like, I'm so sorry, bro. It's that Michigan stomach. I'm telling you, it's the Michigan stomach. Isn't it interesting that often in life we trade what we want most for what we want now, albeit a comedic story, this, this is the human heart that we make trades all the time. My friend Travis traded a good night in TJ over some tacos, man, for uh, 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 30 days of not feeling it at all, being out, being done. And, and in life, oftentimes, our life is, again, a series of these trades. What I've seen throughout my pastoral ministry, some of the saddest stories that take place are the individuals and people, including myself, where I've traded what I want most in life for what I want now. There's an urgency to life sometimes in the American script. Get it now. Make sure you're, by the time you're 30, get married. If you're lonely, just find someone. If you're married and you're unhappy, you can send the text. Don't worry about it. There's the American script and also this cultural script and, and oftentimes even this, the script of, of darkness in the world that says, have it all now, forget about what happens later. If you're a college student in here today or, or maybe post-college, you're a young lady and there's a temptation because of your loneliness maybe to trade what you want most, the man of God, for what you want now, the boy. I urge you, 
And I've sat across the table, my wife and I, from so many people that chose what they wanted now over what they wanted most. I, I, I just implore you and I urge you, would you wait upon the Lord? Wait upon the Lord for that man of God. A, a man of God will never ask you to be a woman of compromise. Or maybe you're, you're a lady here in the house, excuse me, a fella here in the house, and, and you're also wondering, and there's pressure to get married. You're 25, 27, 29, 30. I was 33 when I got married. Now, there's just some pressure that comes with that, and especially in pastoral ministry. They're like, hey, man, you probably should get married. You wanna go play in a church? And, and I had the opportunity in, in moments to trade what I wanted most, a woman of God, for what I wanted now. And by God's grace, I, I got to meet my incredible wife, Sarah, who was the woman God had for me. And maybe you're in a marriage today and it is struggling. At some point, I've only been, I'm only two years in, but I've encountered so many different people in so many different marriages. There'll always be a tough year in marriage. Some it's the first year, some it's the year number 20. But don't trade what you want most for you to finish well in the end for what you want now, an easy way out. In our story today in Mark 10, this gentleman by the name of the rich young ruler, he trades something for something. And it's the worst trade we see in scripture. And it's one of the saddest stories we see in scripture. It says this in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. He says, good teacher. Notice he calls him teacher and not Lord. That's another sermon for another day. He says, good teacher. He asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. So good, Jesus looks into the heart and looks into what we're resting on and looks into what we're trading our life for. And he says to him, one thing you lack, he says, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. In one of the saddest verses I've seen in all of scripture, verse 22, it says, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The rich young ruler traded what he wanted most, his savior for what he wanted now, his money. And money isn't just what the text is about. It's the smoke rising from the fire within of what we're trading our life for, what we want now or what we want most. And this rich young ruler couldn't get over the fact that Man, all there was in his life script was the here and now, the 80 years down here where he was going to accumulate, where he was going to make up for whatever he thought he lacked in life and perform and perform and perform until he became enough. But Jesus offers him a whole different way of living, a whole different life script. He says, you can tear that life script up. Man, you don't need that anymore. The one thing that stood between him and Jesus was money, but it was really this thought and this heart attitude of, I'm gonna get everything now and 
later will take care of itself. And maybe it's not money for you. And here's what I know to be true about money. I've seen poor people that are generous and rich people that are generous. I've seen poor people that are greedy and rich people that are greedy. What you do with $100 is what you're gonna do with a million dollars. Nothing changes inside of the person. Money is added into our life and then what's pressed, what's inside of us is pressed out of us. And for many of us, money is the thing that, man, we think has to be made more of, more of, more of. And we often trade our time, our schedule, our talents for it over building the kingdom of God. And this rich young ruler, he made the worst trade possible. He says, I'm gonna go my own way. I'm gonna carry my wealth with me. But really he says, I'm gonna carry my life script with me. I'm gonna do this my own way, Jesus, no thanks. And like, I could end the sermon there and we'd all leave super depressed, right? Or like the Bible is always so good to us. I wonder if there's a story that points to a different outcome. I I, I wonder if God in his mastery in writing the scriptural text has a story where the ending is a bit different. And I'm so glad you asked because yes, there is such a story. It's in Luke 19, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And it really is a, a, a counteraction or a contrast to the rich young ruler story. It says this in verse one, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Where was he going to? Well, he was on his way, friends, to what we're about to celebrate this week, Good Friday and then Easter. Jesus was on his way to Calvary. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was on his way up a hill for you and me to lay his life down for you and me. But he had a divine assignment and a divine moment, a divine appointment with one man before he got there. And his name was Zacchaeus. In verse two, it says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. This Zacchaeus was the most hated of the hated by the Jewish people. He would have been notorious in Jericho for many reasons, but not good reasons. A tax collector in that day would uh, take from his own people, not only the taxes that were due, but he would add a little on top of it for himself. So he'd knock on little old ladies' doors that were part of his Jewish culture, his neighbors, and he would say, hey, guess what? It's tax season. Uh, I need that $50. Really, they might only owe 30, but he would pocket the other 20 and he would do this time and time again. And not only would he do this, cheat people of their money, motivated by a life living for the here and now, but he would disciple and lead others to do it. He was the chief tax collector of the day. So if you imagine in Jericho, this man, Zacchaeus, was known not for the good he'd done, but all the bad he done. And the Bible goes on to say in verse eight, he, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Young Zacchaeus knew that Jesus and the caravan in which came alongside of Jesus was coming from a distance. And much has been made of this moment in scripture. If you look at scholarly thought, uh, some people look at this moment as a moment where Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus. 
Other people say, hey, actually, this was a moment Zacchaeus was trying to be seen by Jesus. And I think it's both. I think Zacchaeus maybe had in him a little bit of a excitement for who this Jesus was, but I also know based off Zacchaeus' life, being short in stature, being a chief tax collector, no doubt needing to perform to be seen in life. He also climbed this tree, which was a mulberry tree. The limbs were short to the ground. It was easy for short people just to, oop, I'm up on it. And he climbs up this tree so that Jesus might see him as he was passing through. Now, here's what we know about God of the Bible. This Jesus is all-knowing. This Jesus knows at all times what's happening around him. And even in a crowd where Zacchaeus couldn't have been seen, even on a tree where Zacchaeus couldn't have been seen, he would have known he was there. How do I know this? A woman just earlier in the text in Mark reaches out to Jesus in a crowd full of people. And Jesus knows that power has left him and healed this woman and he turns around. And Jesus sees every one of our stories, even in the moments we, see, we, we think we're unseen. Jesus is coming in the distance and Zacchaeus has climbed this tree to grab the attention of God. Have you? Have you? Are you currently climbing a tree? the proverbial tree of life, to try and grab the attention of God. Sometimes it's really good things. Sometimes it's not so much, but man, I, I think of my own life and sometimes the trees in which we climb in, even in church, are religious activity over relational intimacy. Pastor Bob says it really well that Rules without relationship leads to rebellion. Do you know that God wants first and foremost a relationship for you? Zacchaeus is this man who's performed all of his life and he thinks to himself, man, if I could only get a glimpse of Jesus, if I could only get high enough, he'll see me. He'll see me wanting to grab the attention of God. It's so interesting as a a new dad, we have a little 14, 14 month old at home. And every day I come home, he's usually waiting at the door, just waiting to be picked up and hugged and kissed on the cheek. And, and then there's some days he's, he, he's in a corner of the house, maybe sleeping or reading. He can't read yet, but that'd be cool. Uh, doing something, playing with his toys. And what's interesting about my little boy Aiden is no matter what kind of day he's had or no matter how good he was that day, my first, my first move when I come home is to give my wife a kiss on the forehead and to go find that little guy. Let him know how much he's loved. Let him know how much I missed him that day. Can you imagine my son like getting up on the countertop when I came home, 14 months old, being like, Do you see me, dad? Guess what I did today? I ate all my food. All the poop stayed in the diaper today. Check, that's good. Guess what else I did? I took my naps at the right time and man, I helped mom clean the house. Do you see me now, dad? Like that would be hilarious. It'd be amazing if that happened too. But my son needs to know this about his dad. So no matter how his day went, no matter how he performed for his mom and I, no matter how obedient he was, my heart will always pursue him. And just like Zacchaeus, 
This is less this story about Zacchaeus pursuing Jesus and way more about Jesus pursuing Zacchaeus. Check this out. It says a little bit later on in verse three. Wanted to see who Jesus was, verse four. Sorry, I climbed a sycamore fig tree. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down, hurry. Other versions say, make haste immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once he welcomed him gladly. Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name long before Zacchaeus ever knew who Jesus was. And in your search for meaning and purpose in life, you need to know that there's a God who is pursuing you. A God, despite your performance or any trees that you have attempted to climb or are currently climbing, to be seen by God. He is long before you ever step foot on that tree, man. He has been pursuing you. I know this because he says, I knew you in your mother's womb, the Psalms say. I formed you, I fashioned you for a life of purpose, for a life of intimacy with me. And one of the saddest trades we make in life is this God who created us, this God who knows us most and loves us most. We trade life with him for life with something else. We pick up a different script, the American script, or the script of what our parents wanted us to be, or maybe the script of the internal dialogue or the script of your own truth. And Jesus meets Zacchaeus, this young man at the spot, and he calls him out by name. And he says, we gotta meet. I need to tell you something. We, we need to have an encounter together. So he invites, Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. Now, not everyone's happy because remember, Zacchaeus is hated in the land. And so we see that, man, that the people of Zacchaeus' day are like, who is this Jesus gone to be the guest of a sinner? Surely this isn't the savior of the world. He only comes for the righteous. That's not true. And in fact, what Jesus is trying to preach to us in this moment as he calls Zacchaeus down from the tree, the baddest man in all of Jericho and has somewhat of a dinner table party with him at his house. What he's trying to preach to us is the message of grace, that God's love for you is not based on your performance. God's love for you is not based on your loveliness. God loves you because he loves you. And he took a step down from heaven so that you might take notice of this beautiful relationship you can have with him. And, and I wonder today if our dinner tables and churches and phones aren't filled with contacts and people, like the kinds of people Jesus was running into, if we're actually preaching the same message that Jesus preached. Church isn't for all the good people to come and hide all their stuff and just tell them how good you are. Do you see me, Jesus? Church is a, a family that no matter where you are in life, God can make you whole. No matter what tree you've climbed or script you've been living for or trade you've made for him in the world, God can give you redemption. God can change your story. God can change the trajectory of your life. The rich young ruler and Zacchaeus are contrasting stories. Jesus wants us to see a different way that you don't have to trade your master for money or or eternity for the earth. 
or life with God for life without him. You can actually have him and all of him. And Jesus is, is coming to Zacchaeus' house. And, and I love this, that in one encounter with God, Zacchaeus' life is transformed, changed. We know the repentance is happening in Zacchaeus' heart, a change of direction because he starts just giving stuff away. Check this out. This is so good. This is so good. In verse eight, it says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus just starts giving his possessions away. When confronted with the savior of the world, he just starts to loosen, the grip, loosen his grip on the things of this world. And he's like, I don't think I need that anymore. I don't, know, I don't need to climb that tree anymore. I don't need that as much as I thought I did. And you know what, Lord, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just start giving stuff away. The farther I go with Jesus, y'all, the less I realize I need to take with me. And if you're anything like me, hungry for a deeper life with the Lord, you, you'll realize him calling you deeper. Calling you into the trade of a lifetime. Life with him, life and life to the full. As opposed to life without him living a performance-based life in, in, in a culture that celebrates performance. And I'm not saying don't work hard, but it's where you're working hard from. When you know you're known and loved and when your identity is based on this Jesus, the God-man who came to rescue you and ransom you and redeem you, you can actually start living. You can give things away and be free. There's things that don't grip your heart as much when you meet this Jesus character. And that's exactly what happened to Zacchaeus as he meets Jesus, he starts giving things away. And what's interesting is he didn't just give things away by which the law had commanded. Leviticus 5 talks about, hey, when you've stolen from someone, which Zacchaeus did, all you gotta do is give back and give back with 20% added on. Well, Zacchaeus says, you know what? I'm not only gonna give back, but... I'm gonna restore fourfold. Because when you meet the generosity of God, you can't help but be generous. And you see the trade that God made his life for years. You can't help but be generous. And Zacchaeus is in this moment, he's taken. He sees his savior, he meets his savior. And here's what Jesus says after all this. Verse nine, I'm gonna close with this. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Man, your life and my life is so brief. It's but a vapor. And in one moment, with one encounter with Jesus, it could all change. Zacchaeus is proof that no matter where you've been or what you've done or what your current life script is or what you've been trading Jesus for, your life can be made new. And sometimes I wish in this story, man, that Zacchaeus could have met the rich young ruler. Can you imagine that? Like these two guys sitting down over a cup of coffee. What would Zacchaeus have told the rich young ruler, man? 
I sat down with this Jesus and I was living one way. I was trying to be enough on my own. I was climbing trees and I was living for myself and I was trading what I wanted most for what I wanted now. But with one moment with Jesus, it changed everything for me. It was the way he looked into my soul and he knew me. It was the way that everything I'd ever done that seemed wrong just seemed to fade away because I met this Jesus. The story of the Bible is one long scarlet thread that leads to the cross. And what makes this story so powerful isn't just what happened at that dinner table. That one moment was Zacchaeus, but it's where Jesus was going next. Jesus had a date with Zacchaeus, but he was also on his way to take care of the sins of humanity on a different tree, a different kind of trade. When Jesus traded a tree for a tree, Zacchaeus' tree of performance for a tree of sacrifice, Jesus would lay his life down on behalf of all humanity and say, you're forgiven. Come, follow me. That seems like the worst trade ever. Jesus, you want me? You know where I've been. You know what I've done. You're gonna give up your life for mine. He says, yes, son. Jesus, but can you imagine? How am I gonna fix all this, this past that I have? I'll take care of it, son. Just come to me. In seemingly the worst trade of all time, Jesus steps out of heaven, trades intimacy with the Father for you and me. That we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus trades a sinless life for our sinful life. Jesus trades his righteousness for our darkness. And he says, come, follow me, be made new. Come receive the gift of salvation. And it would look like the worst trade in the history of all trades, unless Easter, for which you'll have to come back next week. Easter is the story of revival. Is God is who he said he was. He put an exclamation point on the marks of history and says, I have authority over even life and death. And he rises on Easter morning, declaring to the world in darkness that it no longer has authority. Jesus does. Whatever you're facing right now, Jesus has authority over. Would you hand it to him? Whatever tree maybe you're climbing, whatever way in which you've tried to get the attention of God, know that he's been pursuing you long before that. Hand it over to him. In a moment, we're gonna have one more song and then we're gonna have the prayer team down front after that song. And I would invite you, make haste, hurry, come down. Meet this Jesus. Father, thank you for the moments in which we share. Thank you for the grace and kindness of the Father. This story is a picture of all humanity, a portrait of what's inside of all of our hearts. We make trades every day. And I just pray right now, people would sense that 
and the stirring in their heart is you. Sense that the God of the universe is speaking to them. And they'd start to unpack and uncover, man, I've been living for this, but really I see life with Jesus is, this is what I need. Eternity with the Father, this is what I need. Living my life for what I want most, not what I want now. And God, what if a a whole bunch of people just decided, you know what, the life script that I've been living isn't worth it anymore and tore it up and followed you? What would our city look like if all of our churches and all the people within those churches and we just decided, you know what, what we want most, God, is to see revival happen in this city. What we want most, God, is to see your spirit pour out and we'll do anything for it. We'll trade what we want now for what we want most. We'll we'll choose you over everything. That'd be a beautiful community to be a part of. I think it's the community you're building, God. And so I pray right now you'd release us from the life we thought we needed to live for the life you have for us. And we'd come down and meet you. We'd make haste and surrender to the one who gave it all for us. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.